I was converted shortly mm-hmm. after watching a Tom and Jerry episode mm-hmm. in my dorm room by myself in college. Now, pray tell. Well, what, what was what was the special message that Tom, Tom and Jerry said? How many, oh, right, I right. remember this one. It's when Jerry finally said, I've got to give a testimony. <laughs> said, I, I repent for all this anger. I repent. Wait, Jerry is the mouse or the yeah, I repent for yeah, all yeah. this this, you know, badgering you and teasing you. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that was that's a whole nother story, but all right, we'll yeah. do it another time. Yeah. Welcome to Till We Feast, where three pastor friends leading three cross-cultural congregations in Washington, D.C., wrestle with a question each week concerning how the church can be a foretaste of the Feast of God. I'm Russ Whitfield, one of the hosts of this podcast, and I'm joined in the studio by Pastor Duke Kwan and Pastor Glenn Hoberg. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. I, I feel, uh, I feel, I, I feel, well, I'm talking about the weather. Mm. It, that's pretty cliche, right? We start <laughs> off talking about the weather, yeah, yeah. but here's my theory, mm. that there's only a small window of weather that human beings don't complain in, right? And we're in it right now. Yeah, I mean, we just, we just got this day today yeah. and it, it's, it's amazing gorgeous. how it changes just yeah, the whole vibe. So, for sure, man. So I'm, you know, I'm in a good mood today. All You're right. Okay. Right. <laughs> and yeah. good to be in the studio with y'all today. What do you got today? Yeah. Well, I was thinking, so you all walked with me hmm. uh, when my wife was pretty sick. Mm. And she still has flare-ups, ups and down. Mm. Chronic illness is not, no stranger to this room right. here. Right. Different families. Right. Mm. And I have to confess hmm. that there are times when I'm enduring personal trials, mm. stuff outside the ministry, mm. where it feels like a distraction. Mm. Mm. It feels like I, I sort of in my mind, I'm like, you know, why is this happening? Hmm. It's taking me off mission. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I might go so far to say, you know, th- this is just the devil. Mm. Uh, or it just feels irrelevant to me. Mm. Uh, and it can go, you know, it, it can go into lots of different ways. It can huh. be it can be uh, any number of trials we face. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time integrating what's happening in my personal life, if we can call it that, yeah, my non-ministry right. life, right? and seeing it as relevant to the mission mm. of God. And it's it's something I still struggle with mm. week in and week out. It, mm. could, it could be mm. small, small T trials, mm. like my dang dog has to go back to the vet and cost me mm. money. Mm-hmm. It could be just, you know, like a sinus headache. Mm. It could be somebody in my extended family needs a phone call. Mm. And you, you, I almost feel this like false guilt, mm. like um, not, not in the serving. Mm. I know I serve, but I don't, uh, it's this, Maybe it's this thing that ministry is so all-encompassing. It's such a big part of your life. Yeah. And so there's always this feeling like, is this just like a a distraction? Mm. I want to first say, 
uh, you know you're not alone mm -hmm. because, you know, for the last four or five years, our kids' health kind of went off a cliff, and then my wife's health went off a cliff, and then my mother-in-law's health went off a cliff, mm -hmm. and then my parents' health started getting rough. Yeah. And it's like I completely identify with that because you, you, sometimes you're so overwhelmed. You, you know, we try to rightly acknowledge our own human limitations and our own bandwidth. Is, it's not infinite. And then when, you, it, when life is just requiring so much of you just to attend to your people, to love mm -hmm. your people, it sometimes feels like you only have the crumbs left for the church work, at least the mental crumbs. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you're mm -hmm. showing up, you're working your hours, but it's not nearly what it would have been if your mind was clear. I 100% I identify with that. And yeah, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I think about in my own life, when, when I feel that way and, and, and it's kind of all the time, I mean, let's be real, <laughs> right. right? It's not even just when the big things blow up. Mm. It's right. It's like all the responsibilities and obligations from, you know, taking care of an errand to doing home fix it projects to mm. doing whatever, what would you just feel like, it's competition for your time, mm. focus, and energy, yeah. mm. and which I I think it, 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 it inevitably for me at least it raises questions around what what do I think I'm actually called to do here that mm. I think mm. like everything is a threat to the only the one thing that uh. I'm here on planet Earth for, mm. which is ministry, which is mm. its own problem, and we've talked about that before. Mm. Um, but I think especially when you feel weak, hmm. I think especially when you feel doubled over, mm. right? I feel like it, it it makes you question things. It makes you wonder. It makes you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But I don't know, Glenn, I mean, keep keep unpacking it for us as far as just why do you feel like it's taken away from something? What, you know, what is it about those moments for you hmm. that has made it feel like you're, what is it, fumbling the ball or not doing what you're supposed to be doing or compromising your ministry or making you look bad or i mean i don't know yeah. what, is, what yeah. is it what is well, it i'll give a tangible example in, mm -hmm. in the hardest years and my wife was re, you all know this mm -hmm. down we were down in a valley mm -hmm. big time for mm -hmm. probably seven years yeah uh and during that time we could do very little hospitality mm -hmm. that's part of an elder's yeah. call it's yeah. called a you do very little hospitality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sort of like, God, I don't see the good in this. Mm. Like, I don't, how is this relevant? Mm. Here I am called mm. wanting to, we're wanting to open our home, mm. you know, especially her, you know, yeah. I'm a little bit more of an introvert. I'm like, yeah. let's every now and then we'll do it. Mm. But you can't do the thing that you think is a good thing. Mm. And you'd love to do the math and go, well, this will happen for uh, yeah. One year, and then we'll learn the lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah. It, apply it to ministry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, re I remember once my wife saying to me, "It was Meg. It was so yeah. funny." She was like, I, "I feel like I've learned my lessons through suffering. Now I'm starting to think this has happened because of you." <laughs> <laughs> It's like God has work to do in yeah, you, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you better get it done right. because I'm. You better learn it quick. Yeah, so I'm right. still. I don't know if that. Un, no, know. that's super good. So, how would you begin to think around this? I mean, how have you personally processed this, Duke? When you have come into these times, what have been the things that have been stabilizing, that have been orienting, that have been, um, you know, uh, helps to you in this process, this journey of being a human being who faces the things that every other human being does with the additional aspect of being called into ministry? Man, I don't know, because I complain a lot. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the truth. It's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I get like 1% of the lesson mm. or perspective that I know I'm, 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 I need to have. Hmm. 
in those moments. But um, I, I mean, I feel like I, I I do feel like it exposes idolatries in my heart, hmm. where I'm just like I I need to be on my game too much. Mm. So when things knock me off or mm. take me away from my agenda, it just it it rattles me too deep. Hmm. It's one thing for it to feel like a distraction. No, this is like the whole thing is crumbling down, right? Mm. And so to kind of have that exposed hmm. um, or, you know, frustrations around when things don't happen the way that I need them to happen. So it is exposing. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it it really does help me to remember or to be reminded in those times that God's project of my sanctification hmm. is a higher priority for him mm. oftentimes even than the ministry that he wow. wants to do through me mm. that's that's really mm. you know like so so he introduces suffering which is one of his best and favorite tools mm. in his fatherly love to mm. make us more like Jesus mm. and i'm like no but Jesus i got things to do for you you're not mm. letting me do mm. the things for you and he's yeah. like no i want you to become more like me mm. And so what I need to do is take you out to the woodshed, <laughs> you know, or what? I, and I don't mean to make light of it because some of it hurts real bad. Right. Mm. I mean, some of the stuff that we're alluding to or talking about explicitly, it's mm. like you would never ask to go back there again. You, you, right. know, you would not yeah. want to invite that pain and that long, right. you know, hardship. Yeah. Um, uh, and you don't want to go through that. But by faith, we can say. Jesus loves me, mm -hmm. right? And he's making me right. more like himself. Man, I have been slowly coming to grips with the reality that a lot of the way that I process difficult things in my life with respect to my ministry to my people, my congregation, is it falls back into the trap of the insight-based model of discipleship. Like the most important thing I have to give my people is my information. Mm -hmm. oh. So I need to have the time to study. I need to have the time to make sure it's clear, that it's accurate, that the sermons are, you know, what I want them to be. And what I'm slowly starting to remember and realize is that the the most important gift that I have to give to my people is myself mm -hmm. and my own story and sharing that with them. And I've actually kind of started to believe that what may be more important in the formation of my people than my teaching is actually their ability to observe my life. Wow. In the context of what this is, what faithful suffering looks like. This yeah. is what faithful fathering looks like. This is what repentance looks like when they see that life enfleshed, embodied in me. And so, it's at the times where I feel like I'm least productive, it may be the time where I'm most fruitful. Mm. And so, it's like productivity in our modern age. It gets a certain definition, right? And it's bigger, better, faster, shinier, flashy, boom. Like, that's what we love and, and admire in ministry. And we all know the way of the kingdom. It's the slow, it's the quiet, it's the mundane, ordinary, underappreciated, slow stuff. And it's like, to, to get the necessary formation of our people, I, I believe at times that the Lord just says, let me slow this down and let me form your people by them seeing how you endure, mm -hmm. by them seeing how you lean into perseverance, by them seeing how you weep through 
the situation in hope by by seeing how you, rather than knuckling down and trying to rely on your own resources and play your own cards, let me form them by showing them how you lean into community. And you know what, Russ, I just feel like that is a that is like a whole window mm. to go through mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and think about ministry. Yeah. Uh, and really rings true with me. And I was thinking to myself, uh, one, the people that have formed my life. Mm-hmm. Mm. And do I remember many of their like quotes? Right. I don't yeah. I remember their life or maybe their marriage. <laughs> right. But on top of that, I was thinking about uh, the way many people in ministry get formed hmm. seminary. Mm. No, I'm, I'm all for seminary, sure. <laughs> but what it, what it does though, right? We study, mm-hmm. and it conveys this idea of what I have to bring to you right. is my study. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, this is what I've come. I've studied these things. I've mm-hmm. got answers. This is what I'm going to bring to you in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so, when you feel like, well, wait a second, God, mm-hmm. you got, you got me off like on the side here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on the ropes. I'm not mm-hmm. even in it. And it's hard for me to to believe mm. that in the end, I, I think what you said, observing a life, mm. you know, that in some ways that's kind of disappointing. I mean, you know, I'm sort of like, anybody can do that. You know, like anybody can do that. I don't get all these books in my bookshelf so people observe life. I like right. them to look at my books. Right. Mm. Anyway. I no, think that's, that's right. Good. There's a commodified vision of ministry, right? Mm-hmm. We're always feeling like we need to sell a product yeah. or we're always giving people a thing mm-hmm. rather than understanding that our call is to give ourselves yeah right and actually what our people most need from us which i think is part of what you're describing here russ what our people most need from us is our formation that's right right oh. has mm-hmm. has this person been with jesus right and are mm-hmm. they living an authentic life right by faith mm. in the midst of the sufferings of this world yeah and they're going to come alongside of, with me, mm. an ordinary person, and mm-hmm. just walk with me in it, right? Yeah. I mean, we because I think we do feel that pressure that yeah. like what ministry is is either you know presenting impressive stuff mm-hmm. or giving people fixits, mm. right? Or or making the pain go away. And as we know, a lot of what God has in store for us is not to make the pain go away, but to show us how to persevere faithfully in the midst of the pain, yeah. right. right? Not taking us out of the fire furnace, but being with us right. in it, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. and that we're actually called to be that very thing for people, that person for people as we mediate the grace of Christ to people yeah. as ministers, ministry leaders, we're just supposed to be with them. But mm-hmm. we always feel like we need to give them something yep. mm-hmm. instead yep. of just walk with them and weep with them just like we need someone just to be with us in the midst of our own suffering. Yeah, right? that's super good, man. Like It makes me think like when Jesus talks to us about suffering in the upper room discourse in mm-hmm. John, he says, mm-hmm. you know, listen, no servant's greater than his master. Mm-hmm. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. He's basically saying... Don't set your expectations for life and ministry in a way where you evade and avoid all the things that you've watched me go through. (laughs) Because I've set the pattern for you, right? right? That's right. And then, you know, because here's the thing. We're not down. We're, you know, we're Reformed Presbyterian pastors. Like, we're we're the people who are most likely to be big-headed and small-hearted, right? Like, that's just our (laughs) liability, right? But it's not less than communicating information, a body of doctrine and teaching that the historic church and the, it, all around the globe has always believed. Right. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. And you get these, you get these examples like, you know, I, I, I think of First John, 
And in First John, like he's about to make this case to try and get his people to like walk in intimacy with the Lord. And he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, there's teaching, right? There's a mm-hmm. message, mm-hmm. which we have seen with our eyes, That's an example, good. which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest. And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. So he's saying it's not just a message we heard, it's That's, a life we observed. Right. Let's go ahead and call it incarnational ministry. Exactly. Which is what first John is talking about. I there, think right? that's exactly right. The incarnation. I don't know how else you take those like sensory images. No, I love that. And I'm and I'm just thinking uh, as you were saying that, Russ, I was thinking, okay, Jesus lived with them more than he taught them. Well, that's he what li- I wanted to allude to. He lived with them a lot. Mm. Yeah. He and didn't just have a... Se- like, what do you think? Jesus woke up every day and did 12 hours of teaching? Like, yeah. he was t- always teaching, mm. but not formally so. Mm-hmm. Most of it was lessons through his life lived with them. Yeah. And he grabbed teachable moments. Yeah. I agree. But I also think this First John thing, it's like, okay... I, I, you you eventually get these messages from the apostles, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's like people ought to, from the beginning of their joining our ministry, there ought to be something that they've heard from us. There ought to be something that they see with their eyes in us, what they look upon and touch with their hands. You know, like we ought to be those those living examples of the power of the gospel. Because at the end of the day, think about the practical thing. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting in the pews, and you're looking at the life of the paid professional ministry person who they're paid to read the Bible. They're paid to read theology and, and, and live. If they can't live it, if they're not living it, how are they supposed to have any hope that they can? Oh. You know, it's just like a very practical thing. You, you, you know, you imagine yeah. would go through the head of someone sitting in the pews. You know, what's coming to my mind mm. is the way which prosperity gospel preachers, mm. um, right, the health and wealth dudes out there, where they feel like, they need to wear the really big and gaudy Rolex mm. for everyone to see. They need to they need to drive the big car and mm. fly in the big jet mm. and have you know this stage that's you know ostentatious and mm. and believably wealthy and mm. prosperous mm. in order to help their people believe that they are blessed by God, mm. right? Huh. And so so they they adorn themselves with the riches. Mm. In public fashion so that people believe that. And so it's funny. They're not wrong in a sense about the the calling to model. And this mm. is part of what I think we're talking about. Right? I see putting where you're some, going. Putting some flesh. This is Black Church. I see Listen, it. You, you I know, see your Putting some flesh on the message, right? <laughs> yes. It's just they've got it all wrong. They've got it upside down here, mm. right? Where what we aren't willing to do is to see that same paradigm just flipped on its head, which is we're actually called to put on public display even. Mm the sufferings of Christ in our flesh, mm. right? Where it's not a Rolex watch. It's like you doubled over in tears because your kid's right. in the NICU, right? Mm-hmm. Or it, it, it's you're, you're not putting on display the jet that's moving. You're putting on display the frustrations of not getting anywhere, mm. right? Where it's like, my life, uh-huh. I feel like I'm stuck. Yes. You know, I, I'm, I'm not making progress like I feel like I ought to. Mm-hmm. And your people are like, yeah, I feel that way too sometimes, Doc, right? Yeah. And so... But we don't like going there. 
You got my preacher brain. Right. Say, we, you don't, said, we, don't, we don't like, we, like... I was going to say, he ain't like, trying to give you a Rolex. He's trying to give you repentance. <laughs> you want to you want you yeah, yeah, get, yeah. get into a, a fancy car. He wants yeah. to put you in a cross. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like, yeah, golly, yeah. it's like the expectations no, are flipped. that's right. That's right. I and love we're, that. And, and, but we're, we are, in fact, called to put it on display mm. almost to the degree and in the fashion that those, you know, other guys... Are putting on display their wealth. Mm. We're meant to put on display our weakness. Mm. You know, we're 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 supposed to show it publicly mm. so that people feel it, so that they know Christ is that near to them, even in their sorrows and their suffering. It makes me feel like my everydayness mm. matters. Mm. To yes, God. you know, I don't want to be so like you know, mission, mission, mission. But what you know, I mean, <laughs> Jesus basically says the whole thing is like about the kingdom. Yeah. Mm. Right, so there's a way that we always think about. I, I think in our minds that we're always like, "How is this forming?" Mm. And the answer, I, it, I, it's hard for me to accept an answer that goes, "That's just a different part of your life." Okay, Glenn, you've there's the mission, and then you get your regular guy stuff, mm. and just suck it up your regular guy stuff mm-hmm. instead of. I just need more more coherence because ministry does yeah. demand. It, it it asks for your whole life. I yeah. mean, we got like I've said before, we got a very weird job. I mean, mm-hmm. we bring our family to our job. Mm-hmm. Our job involved people not just to hear our expertise; they want to observe yes. us. Mm. Yes, they want to see us. And I will say that my my congregation has even taught me this by model. Mm. It's just hard for me to accept it because right. you know, I over the years countless lunches and times where someone in the congregation, mm. a fellow elder, a diaconate member, they just would look at me and say, well, how, how's Meg doing? Mm. And I would just say, well, not well. Mm-hmm. We're not doing well. Mm. And they just listened. Yeah. And just by the fact that they didn't give me quick answers, or you know, to me, like an example of a toxic or unhealthy church is a church that can't tolerate mm. their ministry leaders being how you all have just mm, described. Being right? weak. Be broken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. They're just not, they're, they don't so want good. that pastor or mm. ministry leader. They want the one that's got the answers mm. and has got the expertise. So listen, when it comes to witness, like you don't get to choose the 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 method by which God will make you a witness. Yeah, you only right. get to choose whether or not you'll be willing to do it. That's mm. right. Be willing to be door. And so right. all of this feels like a function of recognizing the lordship of Christ and his providence and his sovereignty. It's like whatever he brings you into, that is your opportunity there to be a witness. It may not be the mode by which you wanted to be a witness. You might have wanted to be a witness on a big platform in front mm-hmm. of a bunch of people who are going to cheer you on. But what if God chooses to make you a witness through your suffering, through hardship, through confusion in life, through loss? It's like, that's what he has chosen. And if you're saying, I want to be a disciple, I want to surrender my life, I want to follow you, that then the choice is made for you in terms of the reality in which you're going to bear witness, but you have to make the choice. Will I use this to bear witness to, to his sufficiency or to his presence, to his comfort, to his care, to the hope that he holds out? Like, I'm bearing witness to all of the manifold excellencies of Christ, all of the fullness of the gospel, but it takes a diversity of circumstances and in, mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. life experiences in order to express the fullness of it. And I, Russ, as you said that, I was thinking that's exactly what we get with the disciples in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm sure they would have loved to say, 
okay, Jesus, uh, in the revelation of your word, I'd like these mm. these to be mm. highlighted. Mm. But we get this varied, they're bumbling, they're <laughs> yes. selfish, they're annoying, yes. they're all these things, and then they have these heroic moments. Mm. So I, I think that's true. I think it's important that, you know, we're talking about this this feeling, this nagging, or, or, or actually sometimes deeply disturbing feeling that we have, mm. that something is being robbed of our ministry, what we're called oh. to do, our mission, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, right? And I think part of it is that we've got our understanding of what God is after in this salvation project in the first place, right? And mm. I think what we're describing is that God is actually trying to make us more truly human. Yeah. Right? And so we're so if, if, if we think that our job as ministers is, is just to deliver a, a, a word or a package or a whatever, rather than walking alongside people that, by the grace of Christ, are becoming more fully, truly human, and that he's mm. using people yeah. like ourselves to bring real, true humanness, right, mm. the, the glory of Christ mm. to people, then I think we might be able to understand a little bit better what God is doing, mm. right, as ministry leaders and, and ministers to say, hey, no, I'm just taking you through normal life, right? Mm. And we're like, no, nah, man, I want to be a part of an extraordinary ministry. He's like, no, I want to make you just human and mm. all that that mm. entails, faithfulness and suffering and joy and celebration and and sorrow. And, and I think mm. that's what people need. They mm. just need a real... Human being, yeah. pastor, brother, mm. Mm. you know, sister, leader, peer, whatever, and like real human beings. And really, I think we quietly lust after a caricature or mm. a robot, whatever it is. We're mm. like, no, take away the, the pain, take away the suffering, like strip it out of the thing. I, I want the, the sanitized mm. version of myself to be presented to people. And, and, and that's like, especially in this generation, especially in this day and age, mm. people are like, I don't want that. Right, you know, right. I, I want the real thing, flesh, mm. right? And they, and they, though, I was saying to play the other side, yeah. they even struggle, just mm-hmm. like the Corinthians struggled with Paul being That's weak. Right. That's right. I'll yeah. give you an example. I was, uh, I remember years ago, we were at our church picnic, hmm. and it's the heat of Washington, D.C. Yeah. Mm. I show up in shorts and a <laughs> polo shirt, right? <laughs> and this young guy, I started having a conversation with him. This young guy, he, he's talking to me, and he's I could tell he's like trying to hold back a kind of a laugh or smile and he's just seems very awkward and he said you know i'm just sorry you're just you're wearing shorts (laughs) and i was like you know i got legs and i know how to use them you know (laughs) but you know there is that part he knows how to use them i felt like sometimes people outside of the church well, that that's a different story. Sometimes they understand it better. Mm. Depending on so people want it, they don't want it, they need it. Mm. They want it, they Maybe don't they, want it, they, they need, need it more it. than they think sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it is true. If every time we sat down with someone for coffee and every time we said to them, "You know what? I have nothing to say about that." Like mm-hmm. people would be a little bit mad. Oh, Maybe for got the, all right. You <laughs> sure, all right. Right. Sure. I, but I do think in at the end of the day people do actually want that priestly ministry of us just being with them, weeping with them, mm. near to them, and and maybe some droplets of wisdom here and there. So, for mm. example, I, I can honestly say that because we went through the experience of our second-born child, my son, starting off the first two weeks of his life in the NICU, mm. right, yeah. where you kind of go through those fears, you don't know, mm. you know, is my kid going to make it, mm-hmm. right? You're kind of like talking to the doctors, and you have no idea what's going on, and you just go through that head-spinning kind of 
days of, of fear and terror mm. or, or actually of, of holding it together because you feel mm. like you need to be strong. Like, like, right. like, like I'm t- trying to take my, now take care of my wife and my son, right? And mm. all that. Right. And then finally getting to go home to take a shower 72 hours later and then mm. bursting into tears mm. all by yourself because mm. you didn't even realize you were holding it all in. Mm. Going through that, you know, living to tell about that. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been able to love people better, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People that are struggling with their kid being in the NICU or just their kid being in a in a in a season of suffering mm. and walking with fellow young parents mm. because I went through that. Like of course there's wisdom God gives us beyond our experiences, but because God put us through that pain yes. and through that uncertainty and through that season, hmm. there's a different level of incarnational empathy. Yes. There's a different wisdom to even knowing how to talk to people about mm. that. Or more recently, right? Walking with my aging parents, right? Mm. And as they yeah. are going through things, hmm. right? How many conversations that opened up with people mm-hmm. who are like, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents are getting older. We're having a hard time with this or with that or their behavior changes or their mental mm-hmm. capacity or mm-hmm. their or the relationship that's totally changing now, mm-hmm. right, uh, between ad- uh, adult children and their aging parents, right? So, like, how much that itself has become a ministry and it's like you don't have ministry titles for these things. Maybe right, we should. right. But it's just walking with each other in normal life as fellow human beings in a fallen, broken world mm-hmm, and right. doing it with a Kleenex box not too far away. Yeah. yeah. Like that that actually is more our calling than I think we're often willing to embrace, right? Hmm. Or uh, hold up as a, a sort of a trophy of God's grace. Like mm. this, this is what's so special about what we get to do mm. in, in walking with people. And we're like, nah, I'd rather preach a good sermon. Dude, nah, I'd rather, yeah. you know, do something big. That is, that is good. I, I, I hear based upon what you just riffed on, you remember the, the old quote, the pastor is the person who has the Bible in one hand, the daily news in the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to add and Kleenex in his back pocket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's right. what I hear you saying. But yeah. like when we look at our culture, like we care about mission. We care about the church being a place of accessibility for non-Christians, a place where they can get an on-ramp and they can begin mm. to journey. Knowing mm. the church is a place of refuge. It's not scandalized by people who don't share their beliefs, mm. but really deeply believes that they have a rich hope and they can commend that and give people space to process. I've been thinking about how how bad interpretations of God, the Christian faith, uh, the Bible abound in our culture. And lots of missiological writers will say that the church is supposed to be the hermeneutic for the world of God, of the scriptures. And just thinking about how the life that we live before our people is actually going to help their ability to interpret God, life in this world, the scriptures, more powerfully than any of the the didactic lessons that we actually roll out in our with our words when our lives are kind of even keel and mm-hmm. copus everything's mm-hmm. copacetic. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. again, I just I really appreciate this conversation. I feel like the what the takeaways are pretty self evident. Yeah, and, what are your takeaways, man? What are you guys taking away from this? I feel like um, I, I feel bit exposed that my frustration with those moments is really that I despise my own weakness. Mm-hmm. Meaning mm-hmm. I despise mm-hmm. having to live that, as you said, Duke, that human call or mm-hmm. just that mere observable life. Mm-hmm. And I want I want to be known for more than just that. Mm-hmm. And so that's convicting, but also it's really freeing because it makes me feel like 
How many times do you just sit there and small talk with someone after the service? And yeah, you're thinking yeah. like, is is this somebody like you know? Yeah, is this right. like what, this. what use? And you're like, no, it it really gives import, right? It, yeah, to the whole thing, right? That might have been the most important thing you did all night, yeah. Right. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. that's right. good. What do you think, Russ? I am walking away with a couple of things, but first thing is like an affirmation in like. A personal discipline as I sermon prep is I pray for every pastor I know who comes to mind mm-hmm. while I'm prepping that mm-hmm. the Lord would meet them in their prep. I mm-hmm. pray for you guys. I, mm-hmm. You know, like I pray for our global partner pastors. Man, I need some prayer this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no wonder my sermon wasn't coming together. It's the prayers of the righteous that avail as much. <laughs> so I just like, it's just how important it is to continue right. leaning into the relationships that we have with people who know us, who care about us and just letting our vulnerabilities out and feeling the permission to be the broken, needy, needy people that we are. Augustine said to his people, I'm giving you the bread that sustains my life, mm. you know? And it's yeah. like, we're not giving them something that we don't ourselves need. And I feel more and more a need to like, as I share my real life with people to say, I, y- y'all aren't the needy ones. And I, we're up here already figured it out. Like, I'm with you. And then that vulnerability, I think, is more inviting and it adorns the message more. So prayer, just continuing to feel more freedom, but also just like the importance of pastoral community. Like it's a lonely job. Mm. uh, It's a difficult job, but it's made almost impossible by isolation. And part of what makes the pastoral call sustainable over the long term is having community and people you trust. And if you don't have it, seek it, pray for Mm. it. If you do have it, cherish it respect it, value it, don't sleep on it. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm walking away with. I'm thinking about um, what I might even describe as the the necessary spiritual discipline hmm. of bearing my weaknesses before others. Mm-hmm. Right. Just again, I think, cause I think part oh. of what we've been talking about is that this is part, this is actually central to the calling, mm-hmm. right? If we want people to see more of Jesus, if we want people to actually to be formed, then mm. we need to actually help them to see a frustrated pastor. Mm. <laughs> we actually mm. need I can help with that. Need, <laughs> <laughs> we need to help people to see a, a, a pastor's tears. Mm. We need to see a pastor that lacks, a pastor that is foolish, a pastor mm. that struggles with his parenting, a pastor that mm. is um, having a hard time or that is depressed and despondent or discouraged, right? And that's hard for me naturally. And so to actually, to, and that's why I'm calling it a spiritual discipline because I know it's important for people to see it. Hmm. And of course, there's wisdom in, in, in how you put that on display. Right. But, right. but um, to, I, I, this is a good reminder to me to push, keep pushing in, in that direction. And mm-hmm. a second thought that's coming to my mind too is, you know, as we were talking, uh, I couldn't help but to be thinking about times that we were together in mm. times of pain and suffering yeah. personally yeah. and stuff. Yep. I mean, literally the other, uh, on Saturday driving out, out from my son's soccer game, we passed by Georgetown hospital mm. oh, yeah. and, mm. um, and Paula said, Hey, was weren't, we came by here when Maddie was in the hospital, didn't we? Mm. We saw the Hoberts there. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm. And in, cause I haven't been in the hospital many times besides, besides that. And so, just thinking about the hospital visits or the mm. tears shed together or visiting you in the hospital mm-hmm. as well. And it's like, mm-hmm. and of course it goes beyond the hospital, right? Right. But just times that we've talked and walked and, and, and embraced each other in that <laughs> pain. Right. Yes. I don't know. Like, I'm just like relishing, <laughs> grateful Amen. Uh, for yeah. that brotherhood, that friendship, mm-hmm. because uh, that that's a crucial part of of all this too. That you couldn't have made it through those times yeah. without other people being there for you. That's yeah. right. I'm laughing because yeah, why are you laughing? Yeah, man, what's, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> I'm laughing because the last time I had a hospital stay, 
Glenn came to visit me and he brought a water bottle, which was actually a gin and tonic to me. Love language. <laughs> he answer. ministered to me right where I needed yeah, it. Yeah, right now yeah. my yeah. credibility on this discussion is kind of like, like that's I ain't a gonna, real friend. Yeah, that's right. that's another been, episode. He's been, he's been canceled. That's all right. You'll be like Jesus. The Pharisees won't like you, but the yeah, sinners yeah, and tax collectors yeah. will love you. I'll do that. <laughs> all your members yeah, can be like, "How come you didn't bring me a gin and tonic yeah, when you came yeah, to visit yeah. me?" Right. Oh man. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, what an amazing conversation. Yeah. I've benefited immensely from listening to you guys share. Thank you so much, yeah, and thank, thank you to all of you who have joined us for another episode of Till We Feast. We're so grateful for you listening in with us, and we uh, hope that you'll join us for the next episode. And in the meantime, please subscribe, share this to folks that you think would benefit from it. And if you're feeling so generous, write us a review. Till next time, God bless you. See y'all. All right.